Thank you for listening to Calvary Aurora's weekly Bible study. We pray as you study through God's Word that you're blessed by God's abounding grace. Amen. What's up, guys? Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of John, chapter 4. John, chapter 4. So my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Um, I was a missionary uh, for six years in the Philippines. I moved there in 2003 with my wife and my six-year-old boy at the time. And uh, we moved back to America, um, back to Los Angeles where we lived in 2009. And I went on staff at our church there in the city of Whittier. If you, have, uh, if you have been around missions for any time, been to a missions conference, read about missions, a book about missions, there's a statement that is fairly common in that world. And the statement is, missions exist because worship doesn't. And it's a, a slogan in, in missions conferences, um, in missions books, and people who talk about missions. Missions exist because worship doesn't. And I would kind of tweak that a little bit because worship exists and we all know that, right? I mean, we all worship something. Most people, we worship ourselves. That's the worst, um, that's the worst or the biggest idol in our life is ourself. We, we like to worship ourselves. Um, we're always about ourselves. And, you know, you, um, if you get a group photo, who's the first person you look for? You don't be like, you don't go, where's Cousin Charles at? You're like, where am I? I know I was next to this dude with the red hat. You find the red hat? Oh, yeah, that's me. You know, we're looking for ourselves right away. You know, I remember um, back in 2002-ish, I was standing in an alley with my wife. And uh, we were standing in front of this metal box. And this metal box represented something in our life that was going to change it forever. And I remember standing there, we had a letter of, two, it was a two-week notice for our apartment complex. We were going to move out. We didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, we, you know, my parents didn't have a place for us to stay. Michelle's family didn't have a place for us to stay. And we're just going, we're just looking at this box with this letter in our hand, knowing as soon as we drop it, life is going to change real quick. And... I remember we, we stood there for a good, I don't remember, a few minutes just staring at the box, just like, okay, this is, this, is, this is a moment for me and my wife as believers that was going to forever change our marriage, forever change our family, but also was monumental in my growth as a Christian man and as a husband and as a father, and as a leader of our home. And so I took that letter and I dropped it in the box. And it was our rent box where we would drop our rent. Our landlord would come, pick it up. And Michelle looked at me and she was like, do you think we can get it out? (laughs) And I'm like, it's done, babe. Like there's a lock. I mean, it's a a hefty box. And uh, so we walked away knowing in two weeks we wouldn't have a place to live. And just trusting in the Lord that he was going to provide somewhere for us to stay because we had planned at that moment that in a year we were going to move to the Philippines to be missionaries. 
And, and, and I share that story because what happens with Christian people is we tend to put God in a box. We, we tend to put him here and, and if, if he gets outside of that box, we become uncomfortable. And we also put ourselves in a box. And if God asks us to get outside of that box, it's very uncomfortable. I don't want to do that, Lord. I am not gifted that way, Lord. I, I'm not an evangelist, Lord. I can't go out and just share my faith to strangers, God. I don't ask me to serve in this type of ministry, Lord, or move away with my family or trust my husband that he knows what he's doing and I'm just going to follow him because that's what God wants me to do. You, you fill in the blank. There's a few hundred people in here and everybody has something different that they struggle with that God might be moving in your life to say, hey, just, just trust me. Don't put me in a box. Don't put yourself in a box. You know, one of the things that really helps me as a Christian believer is that, you know, the scripture that talks about how the fullness of the Godhead dwells within me. Like Paul says that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives within me. It's absolutely the same. There's no difference. When Jesus calmed the storm, that same power and spirit that was in Jesus to do that is in you. When Jesus rose people from the dead, that same power and ability and spirit that was in Jesus is in you and me today. It's not any different, no matter what age you might be, no matter how mature in the things of God you might be or immature, the Spirit of God, he, he doesn't, you know, it's not more powerful in a pastor than he is in just a regular person. You guys have been entrusted with the greatest message that has ever been given to mankind. You know, the Bible talks about, and we, I prayed it a little bit, that Jesus says that we, are, we have become his ambassador. We become his representation on earth, when people see you, we represent Christ and everything that we do and everything that we say. And you know, Peter talks about how if we're gonna speak on the behalf of God, that we are to speak as the oracle of God. That means that we become his mouthpiece, that we can speak on the behalf of God Almighty. And it's not just a pastoral thing, it is a believer thing. It is a brother and sister, a child of God thing you can be the oracle and the ambassador of Jesus Christ. And when you're, when you're looking at missions, there's a few things that we really have to remember. Number one, and we're gonna see in this chapter four that Jesus had a need and his need was to go to the lost. And that statement is very, it could be scary for different people because what does that mean for you to have a need to go to the lost? Well, it means that you have to go deliver a message, right? The lost do not know about Jesus Christ. The lost do not understand the reality of hell and the infinity of punishment from a rejection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, and the title of my Bible study tonight is If You Knew. Because when he goes to this woman at the well in John chapter four, his statement in, in verse 10 was, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew it, if you knew who I was, and if you knew what the gift was, everything would change. And the reality is, is missions is a lifestyle of declaring and teaching people so that they know who God is. And the way we do that is with our mouth. You have to tell people about Jesus. 
If you want to be on mission, if you want to be what the Bible calls a, uh, just a regular believer, part of our responsibility is to proclaim the message of Jesus to a lost and dying world. And when you're looking at missions specifically, that is exactly what it is. So let's look, John chapter four, verse one. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now here we go, first underline, but he needed. Jesus was like, I, I need to do this. I need to go um, in this story to Samaria. He had an absolute desire to do it. But he needed to go through Samaria. And that is the heart of missions. People need Jesus. And if you are a, uh, a believer and you don't have a need like there's not a burning need in your life to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to people, then you really need to start praying. Like, Lord, why, does, why is that? Why is that? Why is there not a need for me to proclaim the message of Jesus to my coworkers, to the people on my campus, to my family members? Jesus needed to go through Samaria. In verse five, and so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And so if you're familiar with this section of story, Jesus came from the south, down by Jerusalem, was going up to Galilee, and right in the middle of his journey was the city of Samaria. And the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. They, they absolutely dis despised them. The Samaritans were a, uh, a Jewish community that had been so mixed with the culture around it that the Jews who were very upright and devout hated them because they were mixed. They allowed all of these foreign idols to come in. They worshiped different idols. They, they twisted the, the, the Judeo belief system. They had this kind of understanding about who Jesus was, the Messiah was coming. They had an understanding of this Jewish culture, but they were so mixed with so many other things that they had no dealings. And the, the Jews would normally walk around Samaria to get to Galilee. That's another like day's journey because they wanted nothing to do with this city. But Jesus was like, no, we're not doing that today. I need to go to Samaria. I have this desire to do that. And he sat down at this well. It was around 12 o'clock, right in the middle of the day. He was tired, he was thirsty. Verse seven, it says, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And you can imagine, right? Culturally, this doesn't happen. She knew Jesus was a Jew. She, she knew that Jesus knew that she was a Samaritan. Not only just a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman. And she's like, I'm sure it was like, are, are you talking to me? She's probably looking over her shoulder. Like, do you really mean me? Like, you want me to give you a drink? And verse eight, right, says, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She's like, what is going on? Why are you, why are you talking to me? I'm sure in the back of her mind, not only was she just because she was a woman and a Samaritan, but she had a lot of issues in her life. She's like, 
man, if you really knew who I was, you probably wouldn't be talking to me because nobody else is talking to me. You know, a lot of, I'm sure as we, if you've read this story, you've, culturally women would draw water in the morning or in the evening when it wasn't hot. She was in the middle of the day, which is not normal. You know, most likely because of her past and her present, uh, she had a lot of people talking about her behind her back or probably to her face. She was probably an outcast of that community um, because of the sexual sin that she was in. And so she probably wasn't used to people talking to her, at least in a kind way. You know, Jesus, I'm sure in his, in his way was like, hey, can you give me a drink? Because he wanted to start a conversation with this woman because she is the one that he needed to visit. You know what's interesting is when you think about missions and you think about world missions, for me, it's super overwhelming. You wanna know why? In my mind, here's, how, here's sometimes how I think. How could I, one man, what really could I do in a world of billions of people that need Jesus? It's absolutely overwhelming. There's around the world, people that have never even heard Jesus in the deepest, darkest, darkest parts of the jungle or the desert or the mountains that need to hear Jesus. How can, I, how, can I, how can I do anything? And it's overwhelming. But here Jesus is like, listen, you don't have to reach the world. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you, I'm, I want you to, to take that thought out of your head. I want you to just look at one person. It's just one person, one woman. I needed to go to Samaria to sit down to talk with one woman. He simplifies missions for you and me. So she asks in verse nine, how is it that you being a Jew asks a drink for me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. If you turn to the book of Acts chapter 10 real quick, verse 28 says this, it says, then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation? It's absolutely unlawful for that to happen. Culturally, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit. But he finishes this section of scripture, he says, but God has shown me that I should not call any man uncommon or unclean. And this was the heart of Christ, going to a Samaritan woman who was in adultery and was the talk of the town as the, you know, the, the loose woman of the city. She had three strikes against her, but Jesus needed to just go see her. Talk about the heart of missions, the heart of Jesus is for the lost. One of, um, one of the pastors in the Philippines, his name is Pastor Joe uh, he pastors the Calvary Chapel in, in Dumaguete. And he would, he would say, if Jesus had a heartbeat, it would sound like this. People, 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 people. That's what it would sound like because that is the heart of God. It's the heart of Jesus. And look what he says in verse 10. And this is the title of my study. And, and here's the, the, the place that I wanna get to for us tonight when we're looking at missions. So not only did Jesus have a need, to just go meet this one woman. But Jesus answered and he said to her, after she asked him, why are you talking to me? And this is what he said, he says, if you knew, if you knew 
Like if you really knew who I was, if you really knew who was standing right in front of you, if you really knew who sat down next to you, if you really knew who had a need to walk through the city that no other Jew would ever walk through because we consider you to be dirty people, if you only knew who I was, if you only knew my heart for you, if you only knew my plans for you, if you only knew, he says, he goes on, he says, if you only knew the gift of God, right? Romans chapter six, verse 23 talks about how the free gift of God is eternal salvation in Christ Jesus. If you only knew. And the thing is, is that she was raised in a Jewish community. So she had some head knowledge of who Jesus was, who God was. And I want to challenge you in your thinking because at work, um, even if you walked down the street and you, rock, and you talk to some random people, most people, if you say, hey, do you have, what kind of knowledge do you know about God? They have some sort of knowledge. They have some sort of remembrance of being in Catholic church or hearing it from their grandmother that God is in heaven and he created all things and Jesus died on the cross. People, most people have a basic understanding that there is a God out there and they might even believe in that God, but it's all here in their head. And she knew, but Jesus was like, if you really knew, if you really knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Like if you really knew. And the difficulty is, is that that statement has to break us out of our box, our comfort zone box. Because it's like, I'm, I'm okay with going to church and sitting in, in the pews and listening to the pastor teach. I'm, I'm even okay, you know, raising my hands. It's a little awkward for me during worship. I'm even okay, I'm kind of getting used to the idea of breaking up into groups on a Wednesday night and praying with strangers. But you want me to go out and proclaim the message of Jesus to somebody that I don't know? I am not okay with that. And so there, we have to get to a place, right? Because missions, the life of a believer is a life of declaring the message of Jesus. And we have to do that, not with just our life, but with our mouth. And that is being bold to say, if you knew who Jesus really was, if I can help you understand what Christ is to me, how he has changed me, how he has broken the messed up person that I am or used to be and has changed me into the man and the woman that I am today. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, verse 11, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Like again, she's like, she's not getting it. But Jesus is like, he, he understands this, right? The Bible says that he knows our frame. Like he absolutely knows everything about this woman. And he's like, if you knew, and she's like, well, how are you gonna get some water? Like there's a bucket, you have a cup, this, it's deep, you got a rope, like where are you gonna get this water at? Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, if you ask, what? It shall be given, right? If you ask, it shall be given. That is a promise to you and to me. Lord, I, I struggle with this in my life. Lord, I, I, I'm not a very good wife or a mother or a husband. Help me to be better. The Bible says, if you ask, it will be given. Like that is a promise that God has 
given to you. And she's like, where, where are you going to get this water? She's asking Jesus, where are you going to get this water? And you know what's going to happen when you ask Jesus a question? He's going to give you an answer. He absolutely will give you an answer. Verse 12, she asks another question. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Asking you shall receive, right? Jesus answered in verse 13, and he said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, right? Probably pointing to the well. This water here is only going to quench your thirst for a little bit. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, the book, the book, the book, the book of John also talks about how, how out from the heart of a believer flows torrents of living, of living water that it, it absolutely will flow out from you. That Jesus was saying, listen, listen. I'm sure in his head he's like, you are my daughter and I love you, but you need to listen to me right now because I want to help you understand that inside of you, if you just trust me, that you will be the source of living water, that it's gonna be in you, flowing out from you, because I'm gonna be the one that's gonna be the source of that. As the Holy Spirit lives within us, the Bible says the Holy Spirit flows out from us, it becomes that, li that living water that's affecting people left and right, and he's telling her, you will never thirst again. But he's not, he's not talking to her in a natural way. He's talking to her in a very spiritual, unnatural, supernatural way. That you are gonna supernaturally never thirst spiritually again. I'm gonna take care of you spiritually. I'm going to make sure that you have what the Bible says, peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm gonna make sure that you have that. And the woman said to him, Give me this water that I might not thirst nor come here to draw again. And she's like, listen, I don't want to come here anymore. I don't want to be around these women who talk about me. I don't want to come in the hottest part of the day. I want to be able to come uh, and, and, you know, whatever. And I'm sure she's thinking, I want to be able to generate this water to come out so I don't have to draw from the water anymore. Like she's trying to understand what Jesus is saying. And he's trying to help her understand who he is. Give me this, give me this water. I don't want to thirst or come here and draw anymore. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. An interesting question. But he's dealing with something with her. It's like, listen, I, I, I want to do this. I, I, want to, I want to be a well in your life of living water so that you never thirst again spiritually, that you, that you feel taken care of by the God of the universe. But we need to deal with something first right now, and that's sin. Sin in your life needs to be dealt with. You know, and you're looking at missions, you're looking at you. You today are a missionary, whether you want to accept it or not. Every time you leave this building, you are a walking, talking representative of Jesus Christ to your neighbors, to your family, to your school, at your work. Go call your husband because we have to deal with something. You have to deal with, we have to deal with sin in your life. And he goes on and the woman said and answered, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband, and in that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She said, I perceive, there's something in me that says that you know everything about me. 
I, I find that, that word funny. And she goes on, you know, our, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. You know, and Jesus said to her, woman, in, in the most loving way, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. And again, he's talking about knowledge, right? He came, he goes, if you knew, and I'm, I'm coming to, to give you knowledge about who I really am, right? And that's a picture for us as Christians that we are to live life to create a picture of Christ. You know, Colossians chapter four, verse five and six says, let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you might know how to answer each one. That we have to get to a place in our walk where we can verbally help somebody walk through eternal justification in Jesus Christ. I wanna help you. You worship what you do not know. He says, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. I'm sure she's starting to put things together. This, what? What did I just say? He's going to tell us all things? What did he just say? Everything about me that's ever been known? Like, how would he doesn't know anything about me? But yet, all the five husbands that I've had and the one now is not my husband? This Messiah is coming. He's going he's gonna to reveal everything. And I'm sure in her head when she said that, she was like, ding. You know, light bulb came on where she's like, wow, this dude is legit. In verse 26, Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. That's me. That Messiah that you know about, that Messiah that you've been told about through your mixed up Jewish traditions, mixed with the world. You know what this is a picture of for me? It's a picture of our friends and family and people that we know every single day that have this, even Christians, maybe even you today, maybe you in this room today have a bunch of head knowledge about God, but you haven't made the transition to let God change your heart. You know, it's said um, in the Christian world that, you know, people miss salvation by 18 inches. From the knowledge that they know about God on the cross, the death, sin, and actually taking it from your head into your heart so it transfers to salvation, a true saving salvation faith in Jesus Christ. And it wasn't until this woman experienced Jesus. She took the time to stop and talk and listen and ask questions. And the Bible says, when you ask, you shall receive. And she asked Jesus, and he said, I am that person. I am the one that's able to put the living water in you that you will never thirst again. I am the one that's going to take you from what you have been told and taught your whole life about God and religion, and I wanna change that for you into a relationship with me. And at verse 27, at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you, why are you talking with her, Jesus? They're like, what's going on with, with Jesus? Why is he talking to this girl? And the woman then, and, and here's a really good, I love this verse. The woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, and, and here's, here's what's really cool. You know what the water pot represents? The water pot represents her old life. 
The water pot represents getting water at 12 o'clock in the afternoon because she was sleeping with men for whatever the reasons were. Didn't want to be around the other women. Leave that behind. Let me be the God of your life. Leave your water pot and let's move on. Let's move forward. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul talks about how we are a new creation in Christ. That we are to leave the old and, and, and look towards the new. You know, he also says in Philippians chapter 3 that we are to forget the past because we have become new. And that's what he's telling her, man. Leave your water pot. Leave it on the ground. And what does she do? She puts that water pot down and she runs back to her town. And you know who she runs to? Well, who does it run to? She, runs, she doesn't go to the women. She goes to the men. And again, culturally, that's unheard of. This woman has been absolutely transformed by Jesus Christ from, yeah, I know that there's a Messiah. He's going to come. He's going to tell, tell us everything we've ever done. But now she had this experience with Jesus, left her water pot representing her old life, and she ran back to the men. That didn't, that didn't happen in that culture. And she told them, listen, you have to come because this guy told me everything that I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? And look what she says, verse 28, let's read it again. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him and in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. You know, isn't it funny how the disciples can be so carnal? They're just all about food. I'm thirsty, I'm tired. You know, isn't that how we can get? I mean, we, we're so focused on ourselves that we forget that there's a woman suffering. You know, what an example for us to follow in Jesus, that we can get so wrapped up in my own life, my own cares, that we miss, you know, she's just a woman. Right? They didn't even want to ask Jesus, why, why are you talking to her? I'm sure they're like, why is he talking to this woman? Doesn't he understand the culture? You know? I mean, it's such a humanity. It's just a human thing to do. Right? And that's why we as believers, we have to be really mindful to see people, to look at them, to see what's going on in their life. Jesus didn't miss it. He needed to go to Samaria. I'm sure the disciples didn't like it. They're like, are you serious? Are you serious, Jesus? You want us to go to Samaria? Like, what are the other believers going to say about us? How did you get here so fast? Well, we walked through Samaria. They were carnal-minded. But he said to them, and he blows their mind, I have, I have food to eat, which you do not know. And Jesus is trying to bring them back to a spiritual mindset. And his disciples said to one another, has anybody brought him anything to eat? How did, where did he get food from? We're looking for food. Somebody got him food. And Jesus said to them, my, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work, you know, I have a, in, in the book of Timothy, I have a note um, from one of Pastor Ed's Bible studies. And um, I have a little quote marks. And he said, we have no time for secondary things. And how true is that? But yet, we get so wrapped up in life and things and and. and, and work and family and bills and, and, and we get so carnally minded, not in an evil sense, but just in a worldly sense that we just so focused on ourselves and the world that we, we miss the spiritual aspects of what God wants to be doing. 
because we're concerned about food, right, which is just the flesh. And Jesus is trying to get these disciples like, listen, I got food that you don't even know about. I got a, I got a well that you don't even know about. Verse 35, he says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And Jesus is like, listen, man, the world is ready. The world is ready for people to accept Jesus. Guess who gets to be the deliverers of that message? You and me. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. You think about this woman who was absolutely radically changed for Jesus. And you think about people in your life that were absolutely radically changed for Christ, who they used to be this crazy person for the world, but yet now they are this crazy person for Jesus. You know, for me, it's my father. You know, absolute he was a hippie and everything that goes with being a hippie to absolutely being radically changed and passing out tracts with him. I remember a very young age in front of grocery stores, you know, not with the church, not with a, it wasn't a ministry that was going on. It was just something he wanted to do. You know, those types of miraculous changes still can happen. And God wants you to be the vessel to help that happen in the lives of people. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. So Jesus had this need to go to Samaria, to sit down at this well, to talk to this woman who was a Samaritan, and she was in sexual immorality, to help her understand, to give her clarity about who he was, so that she can leave her water pot and run back to the town that she came from to declare to the men that there was a man who told me everything I ever did, and they come to Jesus, and they get saved, and they're like, stay with us for two days. If that is not a picture of missions, you know, that is the missionary life. You know, my dad, when I, you know, we had about $70,000 worth of debt. And he, he gave me, I don't remember the exact amount, somewhere towards $26,000 to pay off my wife's school loans. And I, and I remember just being blown away. And, and what he said to me blew me away even more. And he told me, son, if one person... He said, if one person gets saved, it was worth it. Just one person. The overwhelmingness of the world, you look at these flags and what they represent, billions of people who need Jesus. But Jesus is trying to tell us, listen, it's just that one. Maybe it's you getting involved in children's ministry and pouring into one person. Maybe it's you as a father taking more time to disciple your children and your wife. Maybe it's you... God's calling you to the mission field. Maybe God's calling you to be a, a, a brighter light at work or on your campus, whatever it might be. 
They urged him to stay there two days. And look what happens. Verse 41, we'll finish right here. And many more believed because of his own word. This woman pointed these people to Jesus. And because of her words, some believed. But because Jesus delivered his word, many more believed. You know, that is, that is the cry of missionaries, that people would believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know, right? We know, if you knew, Jesus started, right? If you knew the gift of God and who it was who said it to you, you would ask him to give you this water. Now we know this village of who knows how many people and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. Right, they came They came to that conclusion because of this one woman. That is missions. And it doesn't have to be um, around the world because this wasn't around the world for Jesus. This was normal, everyday living for him. Just one person. And you think about the effect of this one person, now this town. And then because of this town, who else was affected because of this town? That is missions. That is the, the ease of missions, the necessity of missions, the the faithfulness and, the, and, the, and the, the courage to just proclaim a simple message. Hey, man, if you really knew, if you really knew who Jesus was, Father, we thank you for today. Lord, and I pray, God, as we uh, go out today, Lord, we know that your word says that we go out um, as, even though we don't call ourselves apostles, Lord, but the word apostle means to be sent out. Lord, and you are sending us out into Aurora and the surrounding cities. Father, you used one woman, one Samaritan woman who was in sexual immorality to turn a town upside down. You took 12 men and you turned, at that time, the Bible says, you turned the world upside down with 12 people. Lord, give us the boldness, Father, to have that passion for people like you, to need to proclaim the message, to help them know that you are the savior. To talk to those people who are like, yeah, you know, I, I got this, I, I kind of go to church, I grew up in church, but I don't really believe. Father, help us, God, to know how to answer the questions to those people so that we don't get stuck like the disciples and just be carnally minded and, and looking for food and looking for ourselves, God, but we are looking for the spiritual things that you wanna do in our life to take us further than we ever thought we could go before in you. Lord, I want to lift up our missionaries. God, that this, this passion that they have to help the people that they minister to, to know who Jesus really is, that you would help them to do that. Lord, and I pray for us as a church, Lord, as believers in Aurora, God, that you would help us to need to proclaim the message of Jesus to our neighbors, to our friends, to our families, to our coworkers that we would not be carnally minded, but we would be spiritually minded. We would be taking, we would be saying to people, man, I got food that you don't even know about. I got drink that you don't even know about. It's the Holy Spirit in me. Lord, challenge us, God, to step outside of that box, to not put you in a box. Lord, because you, you shatter boxes. Lord, and your word is clear, if we ask that you give, Asking you shall receive, knocking it shall be open. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be passionate people for you and for your kingdom and for the glory of your name.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray that you've been touched by this study from Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call area code 303-628-7200. Be blessed this week in the Lord.